Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktana, and today we'll be walking through a primer on soul groups. No soul is ever alone. Even at the very beginning, when a soul comes into being, it does so in the presence of souls who specialize in caring for, about, and with these new beings. For lack of a better term, I call them social workers. They provide a safe and experience-rich environment for new souls to explore. This playing and exploring is designed to reveal the nature of the soul, its personality and preferences, its tendency towards socializing or analytic evaluation, its willingness to try new things, and its rate of transformation. Within what we would consider minutes or days, the new souls are sorted into permanent families or learning pods, commonly called soul groups. There are 15 to 40 members in a group, and at the same moment the group is formed, a teacher adopts them, which is a permanent connection. This teacher is their parent, best friend, mentor, older sibling, and anything else they might need, throughout their maturing existence and even beyond. Once the soul group has formed, lessons begin in the same way most babies are taught, through exploration of the world around them. New souls learn to navigate communication, which is telepathic, empathic, and full immersion. They learn quickly that strong emotions of any kind can violate the boundaries of others in the group. Because thought is the deed when you have no physicality, being angry or hurt or overjoyed at or with someone telegraphs to the entire rest of the group and quickly becomes a burden. Hence, souls quickly learn to live in an amazing state of balance. They manage to be fully experiencing themselves and all that is, while at the same time doing so in a way which allows them to be mindful, complete beingful, of the effect this has on others. I liken this state to living like the ancient Japanese in rice paper houses. It's not that they didn't live full lives or weren't just as human as everyone else, but when there's absolutely no sound barrier between you and every other human in the house, or even the neighborhood, you learn to do your living discreetly. For those times when you can't be discreet, or sound carries no matter what you do, your family and neighbors know to act as if they didn't hear it, in order to respect you and your privacy. As you can imagine, soul groups grow amazingly close very quickly. When your every thought and feeling is telegraphed to everyone, it's impossible to lie or even conceive of lying. This level of intimacy makes the bonds within a soul group like none other in the Akashics. As a soul matures, they learn how to create a sense of privacy by being discreet with thoughts in order to prevent them telegraphing to others. Hence, we can work with Akashic beings, and they can stand in apparent silence, patiently waiting for us even while they're doing many things and thinking along several trains of thought. However, Souls who've known each other, experienced each other, even been fully integrated with each other in the beginning, will always have a deeper connection than anyone else. This is why, even when we're embodied, 
we can recognize a member of our soul group. It's like going to a costume party where everyone's wearing a mask. But no matter what they're wearing or how much they try to appear different, you can still pick out the people you know because you know them just that well. There are many ways for souls to mature, grow, learn, and become. One of them is physical embodiment. Not all souls choose to embody. It's difficult and challenging in ways some don't want to undertake. I like to say it's similar to choosing advanced courses in high school or taking extra courses in college. You'll learn a lot more and faster. The struggle makes the wisdom incorporate more deeply. But it's an awful lot of hard work and heartache. For soul groups who decide to embody, at the beginning of the process, the entire group will manifest together in order to work with each other. It's a bit like practicing a speech in front of your friends or family. When you're doing something difficult or for the first time, it's nice to have a friendly audience and a lot of support. Most soul groups will embody as family units at this stage. They tend to embody in waves. Grandparents, parents, children, grandchildren. These group endeavors are pre-planned before anyone starts, so everyone knows the roles they're playing, the lessons being worked on, and the expectations for the entire group. Once everyone in the soul group has completed their lives, the group gathers in the Akashics and processes all the wisdom acquired, the lessons completed or not, the unexpected experiences, and so on. From this, they and their teacher will decide either to do further work in the Akashics for a bit or devise the next round of embodiments. Now, there's a bit of mythos in the spiritual community which says the members of our soul group love us unconditionally and so want the best for us in our embodied lives. This is very true. However, this isn't necessarily how they're living when they're embodied. If a person's mother is in their soul group and learning lessons about addiction, wielding power over others, responsibility, or codependence, then she's not going to be able to hold positive space for them, even if she has the capacity to remember she should in the moment. Sometimes the lessons we come to learn are hard, not only on us, but everyone else. I think this is described best in the book The Little Soul in the Sun by Neil Donald Walsh. The little soul wants to learn about forgiveness, so they choose to embody into a life where they will do a great many things which need to be forgiven. This is in part what teachings on the wheel of samsara, karma, and the concept of soul lessons are describing. Just because the person is an amazing light-filled soul at home, just because they'll return to being so at the end of this life, doesn't mean we should expect them to be so here, nor is it necessarily the point. Sometimes the members of our soul group are being the hard thing in order to learn hard lessons from the inside out. This isn't to say soul group members aren't on our side or good resources. Sometimes they are. They can be the grandparent who teaches us people can be good, we're lovable, and there is hope in the midst of chaos. They can be the parent who makes hard choices to get us where we need to be and give us the life we deserve. Or they can be the cousin or sibling who becomes our greatest ally in life. It all just depends on what the soul group plans for the embodied life, and even more so, how each soul responds to the life once they're in it. 
As lessons are learned, soul groups start incorporating members of other groups into the mix. Since familiarity breeds contempt, even at the soul level, and maturing souls grow to master even more nuanced and expansive lessons, other souls are needed to fulfill roles and play parts. It's at this point the soul group usually starts embodying in smaller subgroups of two to three to allow the individual souls an experience of being more self-sufficient and self-directed. Soul group members at this stage may still be embodying together as family, but will feel the need to break away from the family, get out of a family business, escape the entrapment of traditions, and look for something better. It may be there are factions in the biological family, with some having one temperament and others having another, like a family which has both jocks and academics in it generationally. This is often a mix of two soul groups working together in order for both to benefit from the experiences and perspective of the other. Where the notion of soul group member as best friend and deep soul connection comes into play, ironically, is when a soul is no longer embodying with their soul group. Once a soul is ready to embody individually, working almost exclusively with new soul groups in order to broaden and deepen their personal becoming, it's more than likely the rest of their soul group is doing so as well. Practically, this means, as the soul group members aren't playing out roles for or with each other, the pressure is off. They don't have any need for or responsibilities to each other, and so can be free to be authentic within moments of connection. The connections can be as brief as eyes meeting in a crowd, or become a deep friendship, or may never happen at all. However, if a contact is made, it can be the best thing in the world. A brief respite from struggle and a little bit of home is comfort. It's not always possible or feasible at this individual embodiment stage to meet up with the rest of our soul group, as they may not be in physical proximity to us. It's not uncommon for me to see a person's soul group scattered all over the globe. Also, at this stage, it's not unusual for some of the soul group to either not have embodied yet or just gotten back, so there's always somebody home who we can reach out to. There are a variety of ways to reach out, including Akashic work, mediumship, meditation, and automatic writing, to name just a few. No one method is necessarily better than another, so for people who ask me how to do it, I recommend they pick whatever works best for them. Now, once a soul matures, by which I mean they're no longer focused only on their unfolding and becoming, they turn their attention to what we would consider service work or a career. They find an interest and aptitude for something beyond themselves, such as being an archivist and therefore responsible for all soul contracts, or a creator who brings matter into being. They can choose to be a teacher themselves or take on service-level embodiments such as becoming a nebula, planet, or star. In the process of moving forward into this new phase of being, each soul becomes aligned with new groups. They connect with other students learning at their level, develop peer relationships, connections with mentors, beings in tangential careers or fields, and so on. While the soul group is never dissolved, its active period gently and gracefully ends as new interests come into focus. The connections remain and are never stale. 
but they are joined by new connections, which create extensive new weavings amongst all the souls involved. This is the phase people find most confusing when it comes to discussing soul groups. While this planet is an educational space and most humans are embodying to learn lessons, this is not true for everyone. Just as we don't throw our children into a school building, shut the doors, and hope they come out educated later, so we don't just have large numbers of young souls embody here on their own. Mature souls embody here as a means not of learning for themselves what they already know, but helping others to learn. As mature souls are no longer working with their soul group, and often their soul group is no longer embodying, it's rare for them to have soul group members in their lives. This doesn't necessarily mean they're alone or need to be lonely. Mature souls, by the very nature of who they are and what they do, have millions upon millions of connections with other souls, not only from past lives, but from the work they do when not embodied. In fact, if the life they're living is for the purpose of being a healer or teacher, then they will also have brought enough of their soul with them to be able to recognize the soul essence of any person they come into contact with. Since this closely resembles the experience of meeting or connecting with a soul group member, people can be perplexed when it happens, question why they feel a certain way about someone, what such a soul-level relationship means, and be stymied when nothing comes of it or they can't find the lesson. For mature souls, there are no lessons, as they are not here to learn. This doesn't mean we don't have to remember things the hard way or refigure things out because they're now done differently than they were the last time we were here. But learning lessons is not the point. Service and manifestation are. So for mature souls, deep connections and meaningful relationships are less about soul group connection and more about opportunities. Like artists, mature souls are responsible for manifesting themselves and their gifts into the world. How they do it, when they do it, for how long, is completely up to them. The world is a rich source of raw materials to work with, and finding or creating a tribe is part of the process. So don't despair if it feels like your soul group is MIA. This just means there are many other souls embodied and embodying who are meant to be your tribe. More than likely, they're looking for you as hard as you're wanting to find them. Or this may be a life where you'll find soul group members later in life, when you can share war stories of lessons learned. Some of your group might be at home right now in the Akashics cheering you on and hoping you'll reach out. As Rumi wrote, If you find me not within you, you will never find me. For I have been with you from the beginning of me. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be learning the basics of both totems and power animals, as well as how to foster and support a personal relationship with yours. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can find all my offerings and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Thanks. Bye.